The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Good morning. It is good to have you join with us this morning. We're continuing our series called Swells, Truth for Life's Ups and Downs, and we're in Psalm 46 this morning. We're in Psalm 46 this morning, and we're going to continue to look at God, our very present help, our ever-present help in time of need. There are two kinds of ever-present help, and one of those is one that you know is going to be there whether you need it or not, and the other is that that you wonder, are, are you there? Are you there with me? Uh, our, our, uh, our baby is named Will, and this is him. He's four, about to turn five, and Will, for his mom, is an ever-present help in the kitchen. Help, right? And he's there to help whether she needs it or not, and usually she does not, but she's really, really gracious. He's there um, washing dishes sometimes. He's there making this great Christmas mix that we make, and he is there always faithful to spill baking soda on the floor. Some of you at home, if you're a mama, you know you've got that kind of ever-present help. And, and today, I'm sure he's asking, can I help with lunch? But then there's another kind of help that's maybe a touch more serious and, and maybe it's the kind that when life is falling apart, you just kind of wonder, is God there? Are you actually there? Can you actually help me? Can you see me through these days? We tend to forget to ask things like that on the good days, but then when we are having a, a hard day or maybe a hard season or maybe when there are things like pandemic or war or frustrations, we wonder, God, are you there? Can you see me through these days? And the psalmist is gonna tell us today that God is there. Some commentators believe that this psalm was written around the time that 2 Kings 18 and 19 were written. It's written by the sons of Korah. Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, is coming and he's attacking Jerusalem and he has been taking over lands and as, as 2 Kings 18 and 19 tell, he kind of says, don't listen to Hezekiah when he says, Yahweh can save you. No one can save you from my hand. And then Hezekiah speaks, God speaks, and he says to Sennacherib, I'll put a hook in your mouth and you'll know that I'm the Lord. And then an angel comes and 185,000 Assyrians are swept away because God indeed is God. He is a help for his people. He was a help for his people 700 years before Christ was born and he is a help for his people today. So let's consider Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in trouble. Though we will not fear, we will not fear though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. He is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. He will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He, 
He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are our refuge and our strength, that you are an ever-present help in troubled times. God, this has been true for your people throughout history, and it is true for us today when the world faces a troubled time. So God, as we look in your word, Father, we pray that you teach us today, that you would encourage our hearts, that, that you would lift up our countenance, God, because you are indeed our ever-present help. So we still ourselves before you to learn from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Psalm 46 is an important word about God and how we can trust God. It was the inspiration for the great hymn that Martin Luther, the reformer, wrote, a mighty fortress is our God. And, and like in the Psalms over and over and over, Psalm 46 expresses the supreme value of God. He is our ever-present help. He's our eternal source of gladness. He's more important than anyone or anything. And the psalmist, as he speaks of God, and as he gives this song to the people to sing, he reminds them that God is to be worshiped. God is to be praised, both for who he is and what he does. He is our refuge and our strength. He's a place to hide and safety. He is the one who gives strength to us. He gives us life and breath and everything else. We don't have to run from times of trouble. We don't have to rely on our own strength in times of trouble because he is an ever-present help. He's with us. His spirit is alive inside us, his people. His presence is not just with us in easy times, He's there in times of trouble. He will not leave us or forsake us. He will not abandon us to ourselves. He will be with us. So we're able not to fear. Why? Because God is our refuge and our strength and he is an ever-present help. Now we've all had friends. Maybe we were friends in high school or junior high and we thought we're gonna be friends for the rest of our lives. And then whether college comes or maybe it's in college and then college is over and, and you go away, maybe you move to another city and you never speak to the person again. You wonder what they're doing. There's no real lasting connection. God is not like that. He is an ever present help. He's not going away. We can't out his grace. We can't be snatched from his hand. We can't outrun his love. Even if we go and try to hide, the Psalms tell us that darkness is not dark to him. He will know where we are. He'll be with us. His hand will guide us. In Psalm 139, uh, it says that even if we travel to the far side of the sea, even if we went across the ocean, he would be with us. We've got friends right now that are serving across the ocean. I was texting back and forth with one of our brothers from Rwanda this morning, his afternoon, and God is with them. He's with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, with workers we have in places like Thailand, Lebanon, the Middle East. God is our refuge and our strength, and he is an ever-present help. Therefore, we will not fear. 
Therefore, we will not fear. What a good word for us. There are all kinds of things that culture fears, that we fear, that the world fears right now. It might be this little bug that is wreaking havoc over all the earth. It might be economic doom that could come. It might be the infringement of rights. It might be all kinds of things. But we will not fear because God is our ever-present help. He's our refuge and strength. Well, how bad can things get and we not fear? I think that's a great question to ask. Surely there's some point at which we could fear, right? The Israelites, 700 years before the birth of Christ, the Assyrians are coming. Can we fear? They're gonna sack the city. They're gonna take over Jerusalem. But the psalmist says we will not fear though the earth gives way, right? The earth could quake and we will not fear. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, this symbol of chaos, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there could be a tsunami that causes an earthquake. The psalmist basically says, and we won't fear because God is our ever-present help. Our ever-present help. Therefore, we will not fear. Whether that be literal earthquakes and tsunamis or whether that be the earthquakes and tsunamis of life that come upon us. I was with a family this Friday that had just lost a dad, a grandfather, a husband. And here's this family just declaring their trust in Jesus, knowing that this one that they love so much and they grieve his loss that he's in a far better place and a far better presence with Jesus and so they will not fear though their, their world is rocked, it's been shaken. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, we will not fear because God is our ever present help and we need to recognize this, that it's God in whom we hope. There's this idea right now in Western Christianity today that's intrinsically self-absorbed and it's incredibly gospel lacking. It's this idea that you in and of yourself are enough. That when life brings you lemons, you just make some lemonade and everything is gonna be okay. That your gifts and your abilities can get you through. That my gifts and my abilities, if we just try harder, do better, muster up something that is in us to find happiness and get through hard times, then I just gotta tell you that it's wrong. It's just dead wrong. One, because it, it ultimately can't be accomplished. It can't be accomplished. He's our ever-present help. He's our eternal source of satisfaction. Number two, it won't lead you to Jesus, which is right where you need to be. And number three, it doesn't give glory to God. That kind of thinking makes the gospel small and you and me big, and that's not the case. We're reminded now that God, God is sovereign. He is big, and we are small, and we need him. The gospel has never it's never been, it primarily never will be about what you can do for God. But in fact, it's about what God has done for you and me and all people through Jesus Christ. And ultimately for all creation, which we see this year is groaning. All creation is groaning, like Romans 8 tells us it's going to do. It's groaning, waiting for the redemption of our bodies as we revealed in the last days the church to be the children of God. 
This is the God who will make you glad. This is the God that will cause you not to fear. Well, how can we not fear? How can we not fear? Three reasons. One, because even the bad, this moment is not good. This is a bad moment in the life of the world. But even this bad, he will turn for our good. He will turn this for the good of his people, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Number one, because even the bad will be turned to good. Number two, every good and perfect gift comes from him anyway. Every good and perfect gift. If you're looking in your home at people you love, they are gifts from God. If you have a job today, that's a gift from God. The very breath that you and I are breathing, that's a gift from God. If there's food on the table and a roof over your head, that's a gift from God. Everything good comes from him. We will not fear. The one who provides for us is our ever-present help. He is our strength, even when we're weak. So because even the bad, he'll turn for good. Everything good comes from him anyway. And then we will not fear because this is not our best life. Our best life is coming. We experience God's presence through his Holy Spirit inside us right now. But one day we will experience his presence in an unfettered way when Jesus returns and takes home his people. So we're not gonna fear this moment because this moment will not have the final say. COVID-19 will not have the final say. The thing you're most afraid of in life will not have the final say for all who are in Christ. Because even the bad, he will turn for our good. The good will be in our gifts from him. And eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. It's not entered into the heart or mind of man the things that God is preparing for those that love him. So we can rest in his presence and we can rely on his power and we can receive his promises. Therefore, we will not fear because we've got this promise. We've got this promise. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns, well, what does that mean? There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Well, in, in ancient times, up really until the Industrial Revolution and through it to some extent, if you were in a city where there's a water source, where there's a river, you're protected, you've got some help, more so than those who are in a city without a river. But there's this river whose streams make glad the city of God. The psalmists here are alluding so to these truths that the people believed about God. In Ezekiel 47, there's this prophecy about the temple. And from the temple, there's water flowing. There are these rivers flowing out as there were in Jerusalem. There are these rivers flowing out and they will make glad the people of God. Jesus then in John 7, at the last and greatest day of the feast where there's this feast where water is being poured out on the altar and the people are worshiping, singing songs, Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 
And the disciples after his resurrection learned he was speaking of the spirit. So we as Israel look forward to this, we look back and see that's the spirit of God, the river whose streams make glad the city of God, that's us. We are now the people of God, the church. And there's this river, the spirit whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the most high, that's us. We now are the temple of God. That's what Corinthians tells us. We are the holy habitation of the most high, which is just this mind-blowing truth. So the Holy Spirit is now working in the church, the holy habitation of the most high. He is in the midst of her, therefore she shall not be moved. He is with you and he is your fortress. He is with us and he is our fortress. So when the whole world, the whole world is shaking, maybe, just maybe a beautiful picture of contrast that the church could give is that we're not ruled by fear. We're not ruled by anger. We're not ruled by our own emotions. We're not moved because we have a very present help in troubled times. So we can love God and we can love our neighbor in the midst of these days because we have a very present help who has not abandoned us, who will not abandon us. He will help her. The scripture says she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. You will not be moved. You will not be moved and he will help you when morning dawns. Well, if you're watching this today, here's the truth that you and I can hold on to. If you're watching this today, every night you've experienced has been followed by morning, right? If you're by definition alive, every night you've had is followed by morning. Morning always dawns no matter how bad the night, no matter how loud the person next to you is snoring, no matter how much food you ate that gave you indigestion and kept you, kept you up. No matter if you were anxious with your thoughts and couldn't go to sleep, night's followed by morning. Morning always comes. So I think that the psalmist would have us here that just as regular as the morning is, God is going to be there to help us. If morning has come about, he's there to help. His mercies are new, we're told, every morning. He will help his people when morning dawns. In church, you can hear this that in the middle of this night, in the middle of this dark season, in the middle of these dark days, God is with us and he will help us and morning will dawn. And so as the world experiences night and we wait for morning to dawn, we reflect and bear his image. We reflect and bear his image as we love others. And as we're not moved in the midst of this darkness, he is with us and he will be our fortress. The nations rage, kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts, but his people aren't moved. Nations are raging, kingdoms are tottering. This morning again in Iran, there are these mysterious bombs that are going off and explosions that are happening. Kingdoms are tottering, nations are raging but we shall not be moved. He utters his voice and the earth melts and then we're told 
Then we're told the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. When we read in scripture the metaphors used about the voice of God, they're amazing. He breaks the cedars of Lebanon. I got to go to Lebanon to visit some of our missionaries there and we saw a tree that is 3,000 years old. It's so massive, so big around, you can't even imagine it until you see it. And the voice of the Lord thunders and breaks the cedars of Lebanon, we're told, or here he utters his voice and the earth melts. It's volcanic in nature, it's so powerful. And this is the God who is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the one protecting us. The word, the Lord of hosts, it's Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of heaven's armies. This is the God of, of Joshua when the people were waiting to enter the promised land and they didn't know if they could go in. And Joshua sees this man. He says, are you for us or against us? He says, no, but I'm the Lord of heaven's armies. Take off your shoes. The Lord of heaven's armies is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob, the God of Israel, the God of the 12 tribes. Here's something the psalmist wants the people to know through Psalm 46. He wants them to remember their history and he wants them to remember their destiny. He wants them to remember their history. This is the God of Jacob who delivered Jacob the schemer. He delivered Jacob. He kept good on his promise to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. The people entered the promised land. He will be exalted among the nations. We're going to enter the promised land he has for us the new heavens and the new earth, the Lord of hosts, the God whose voice melts the earth is with you and with me and he is for us in Jesus Christ. And he's shown us that, he's given us life in Christ and he will give us all things, therefore we will not be moved and we will not fear. See, we'll rest in his presence, we'll receive his promises, and then we will recognize and rely on his power. Come behold the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And what the psalmist is basically saying to the people of Israel is that when it seems like on this earth, all hell is breaking loose. He is with us. He has not abandoned us. We look to the unseen, not to the seen. If you just read the book of Habakkuk, God says, I'm gonna do something in your time that you'd be amazed, you wouldn't believe it even if you heard it. And God's gonna, gonna allow the Chaldeans to come against Israel. And in the midst of this, Habakkuk says, don't understand why is this happening? What in the world is going on? And God says, but you, the, the just, you live by faith. You trust me in the midst of this. And Habakkuk sees God so clearly. He says, even if, even if these words that we've so come to love as a church, even if all fails, I will exalt in the name of God. He'll bring an end to conflict. He will shatter spears. He will burn chariots. He will bring ultimate and lasting peace through Jesus Christ. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. See, Israel is looking at what's going on around them. They're looking at Assyria 
And when they looked at the chaos around them, sometimes they would be willing to join into unholy alliances to try to have power. But when they looked to God, they were distinctly his. He was their help. Some will trust in this time in their own power, in their own devices. Some trust in bows and spears and guns and gaining power. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God because he breaks the bow. He shatters the spear and he will burn the chariots with fire. So when we turn to God, when we turn to God, that's when we bear his image to the world. We reflect him. It's like turning to a mirror, when we turn to him, see, when you're looking straight in, you reflect the image of what you're seeing. When we turn to him, we reflect his image. We then bear his image to the world rather than turning to our fears, rather than turning to our own devices, rather than turning to grabs for power. We rely on his power. We rely on his power. See, we rest in his presence. We receive his promises, we rely on his power, and then we run to his purposes. But before we can run, we've gotta be still. Before we can run, we've really gotta be still. He says, be still and know that I'm God. The psalmist, the sons of Korah are writing the psalm and they're telling God's people about God and how powerful he is and how present he is and how strong he is. And then God just breaks in. Be still and know, be still and know that I am God. In the midst of chaos, be still, be still. Well, normally it's really hard to do that. In this world, in this day and age, it's so hard to do that. We've got Games to get to, places to get kids to, we've got work to get to, we've got activity to get to. But right now, a little bit more than normally, we can be still. We can be still. Four ways that maybe we could be still and know that he is God. Number one, we could slow down. We've all slowed down just a bit, like it or not. And right now, we can slow down. We can slow down as we still ourselves and know that he's God. Second, we can quiet down. We can quiet down. This might be a great moment to put our hands over our mouths, knowing that he is God. We can slow down. We can quiet down. We could put our phones down or maybe our remote down. And I got to tell you, as I say that I'm preaching to me, I looked at my phone to see what I'd done this week and I had more screen time than Dwayne The Rock Johnson did. I need to put my phone down. Maybe you need to put your remote down. Maybe you need to put your phone down, your computer down. We can slow down, we can quiet down, we can put our phones down and we can bow down. See, to be still and know that he is God It's the essence of coming to him and saying, you're God, you're my help, I need your help. I don't have this figured out. And when we're we're stilled, we're to know something that he is God. We are not God and the things that we hope in are not God. We hope in all kinds of things to give us salvation, to give us satisfaction, to give us security and those things are ultimately going to fail us, but God will not. 
God will not. He is God and he is our very present help and that is his personal presence with us as one of our our pastors said to me this week. That is the antidote to fear. Not change circumstance. Not things going the way that I want them to go. Not my five-year plan working out. Can you imagine the people that wrote five-year plans in 2015? (laughs) Those have not ended well, right? But God is with us. He is personally present. And before we ever thought of running to him to be our refuge and strength, he came to us in Jesus. And Jesus died to take the punishment for our sins and he rose from the dead all the more to prove that he is God. Proof that he's a refuge and a strength that we can run to. But we don't just know anything we want to. We know that he is God. God is not God for your purposes and for your dreams. He's God for his purposes and according to his promises. He's not the God who promises whatever you make up for him to promise. Christianity is historical before it's personal. So he promises if you're in Christ and if I'm in Christ to conform us to the image of his son which means we deny ourselves and die to ourselves. He's promised to make us part of a new people, a new race of people he's bringing together from every tribe, tongue, and the nation. So so he's promised us to surrender. He's gonna make us into a surrendered people who are trusting Jesus and laying down our lives. He's promised to make us this community of people from all the nations, and he's promised to give us a mission that will not fail. Christianity is historical before it's personal. And this is the one true and living God. Idols are not an ever-present help. So we know that he is God and then we know that he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in all the earth. And there are a couple of reasons that he's present to help us in troubled times because his character is perfect and he's a promise keeper. And he will ultimately accomplish his purposes and keep his promises through his people. He's our ever-present help because we are the people through which he will be exalted among the nations and through which he will be exalted in all the earth. So we cannot fear. But what if this happens? What if this happens? Historically, you hear all kinds of things. Well, what if our nation becomes like this? Or what if this happens? What if this happens? Years ago, years ago is, well, well, what if Muslims take over and we become like Iran? Or what if communists take over and we become like China? Or what if the alt-right takes over and we become like Nazi Germany? Well, hear me, church. I don't want us to become like Iran or to become like China or to become like Nazi Germany. And at the same time, I think, It's fair to ask, have you seen what the church is doing in China? Have you seen what the church is doing in Iran? Have you ever heard of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer? The churches in Iran and China right now are experiencing exponential growth, the two fastest growing churches in the world. Now hear me, I'm not asking for hard times for anyone or for any place but I'm asking just how bad would we want awakening to come? Whose purposes and kingdoms are we actually committed to? 
is he's going to be exalted among the nations and he will do that through his church so we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be bound by our fears or moved by our fears. In the midst of our fears, we can still ourselves and know his God and his purposes can't fail. His purposes for this church, Temple Bible Church, cannot fail. His purposes for Grace Bible Church cannot fail. His purposes for his people in all the earth, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, in Indonesia, they cannot fail because he will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. So a couple of application questions. What about your life is directed toward making disciples of the nations right now? How are you being about the purposes of God on earth? What are the prayers you're praying? What are the ways that you're giving? What's the life that you are living? And how is it embracing and taking part of Jesus's name being exalted? For the first six and a half years I was a believer, the answer was by and large, not very much. So I was coming to church, I was reading my Bible, I knew the pew to sit in, I was memorizing some scripture, I was praying, but my life really wasn't bent toward the purposes of God. It was really that I was the center and was looking for him to do something great with my life that I had in mind. But God changed that in 1998, God graciously awakened me to the smallness and the chase-centeredness of the kingdom I was trying to build. And over the last 22 years, over and over and over, through looking in the word alone, through looking in the word with his people, through hearing the word taught, through songs that I've sung, through my wife and through good friends, over the last 22 years, he continuously just washes my little sandcastles away. And they just roll out into the tide of nothingness that they are. And he continues to build something in me like he's building in you that has a strong foundation. It's the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, of his work and of his purposes in my life so that I can surrender to him and I can be part of his community, the church, and I can be on mission in response to the fact that the Lord of hosts is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. There's no stronger and more secure fortress to run to. If it's true that while we were his enemies, he sent his son to die for us and now he is our fortress, he's our protector, he's our refuge and our strength and we can live without fear, we can love without fear, we can speak the truth of the gospel without fear. My, my wife and I sometimes uh, talk to young people. We had college students in our home when I was a global outreach pastor here and we would continuously talk to them. Sometimes we will go in occasionally and and there's a, a, a class that people are preparing for marriage and we might share our testimony uh, about what God has done in our life. And one of the things that we say is that we realized early on that there were gonna be some good days and some hard days in life. And there's nobody I'd rather walk through the good days and the hard days with than Laura Bowers. And amazingly enough, as, as, uh, as awful as my dad jokes are, as gray as my hair is becoming, 
as silly as I can be, she'd say the same thing. There's nobody I'd rather walk with on the good days and the hard days than Chase. But even greater than that, on the good seasons and the good seasons of life, when there's cultural upheaval and a global pandemic and economic difficulty and so much uncertainty, the God of Jacob is our fortress church and we get to walk with him in these hard days. So we will not fear because he is our ever present help. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you're our refuge and our strength, a very present help in troubled times. So we will not fear. We will not fear, God. We will not fear if the earth gives way and the mountain are moved in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's a river, your Holy Spirit, who makes glad the city of God, your people, the holy habitation of the Most High. You are in our midst, so we will not be moved. You will help us when morning dawns. Though nations rage and kingdoms totter and you utter your voice and the earth melts. You, the Lord of hosts, are with us. You, the God of Jacob, are our fortress. We behold your power as it comes that you make wars to cease. You're gonna do that one day, God. There'll be no more war. You will break the bow and shatter the spear and burn the chariot with fire. Therefore, we still ourselves knowing that you are God that your purposes are going to stand. Your promises are yes for us in Christ. You will be exalted among the nations. You will be exalted in the earth. You're with us and you're our fortress. So we give you praise today. We exalt you and we confess today that you will in fact reign forever and ever. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.